This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners and viewers like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And to stay updated with video releases, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. I'm Rani Shatar, and this is The Beirut Banyan. So sometimes I, I think people like you are super busy and uh, I just assume that it's a full day and that uh, it's difficult to cram many things together. And when a common friend of ours suggested I speak to you, we found a window Friday evening and days before you told me you're going to have a, a an event where you're going to be giving a speech... <laughs> A list event, a list launch in Sinedfiel at 6. So we agreed to push it to 7.30. But I knew that you're just, no, it's not going to happen. You're not going to show up at 7.30. So I'm like, <laughs> somewhere between 7.30 and 9.30. And then at 9.30, you have a Zoom call with uh, the diaspora, right? <laughs> That's yeah. so, true. Okay, then I'm like, you're probably not showing up. <laughs> but you, you surprised me. 8 o'clock, you pop up online. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> With a bit of a detour, but you made it. I made it. You made it. And I know how busy you are. And I know that this is... You're very kind to give me a bit of your time. And I'm honored. Really. Honestly, Varen, I've been watching you for, for a long time. I think since October 17. And I don't think we've ever met in person. That's true. I think we've been in the same street. I think we've been in the same protests. True. And I think we've, we have hundreds of common friends. And all of them are running for elections. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or most of them. <laughs> most of them. And uh, I think it's a it's an appropriate occasion because you shared with me something important right before we started recording. And if I may be instinctual, I think I could feel these things sometimes when there's the right level of reluctance for the right reasons, but you keep pushing forward despite that hesitation. So I'm going to start it here because I think it is, it's maybe something we can address and go back a bit. You mentioned that you were considering withdrawing in the lead up to the speech sure. today. It may, have been, it may have been in the back of your mind when you considered running to begin with. And if memory serves me right, you made that last decision minutes before the deadline yeah. to actually yeah. apply. That's right. And today you shared I a mentioned bit. It. You mentioned it, but you're still running. Now, I think if you were to actually withdraw for the reasons that made sense to you, no one would blame you for doing that. And I think your determination is inspiring a lot of people regardless. So I'm personally happy you're still running. But let's start. Let's, otherwise, the yep. episode would have been a bit different. <laughs> but let's, let's start with this sort of terrain. Your, your hesitation maybe at times, but your reluctance to not withdraw your determination to keep going. And I think there's a lot of this is psychological and emotional, but so is politics in this country. True. So anything you could say? Yeah. 
let's start that um, with the fact that yes, it's hard. It's it might be sometimes um, depressing. To me, the process of um, like forming the list, etc., wasn't ideal uh, to yeah. the way I I would see things going. Or um, it's not like how I aspire it to be mm-hmm. um, with criteria, very democratic, all over Lebanon, not in a specific yeah. uh, district or something. So um, that was the first, if you want, hick shock, um, if, you, uh, if you want. So, um, and then if you want the, um, the fact that, I know, in many districts there are, um, like to me at least, unexplained um and that not it's not uh, I, know, I respect diversity when it's based <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no on visions it's there but when it's because of i don't know ego or i, I don't i don't um yeah so 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 it's not cool <laughs> let's frame it that way so that was the first thing um and then maybe um you think that um Hey, you know, maybe you don't want to, you, you tell yourself, maybe, you know, I'm not okay with everything. So should I step back? And, you know, it's it's a tiring process and yeah. it's not easy. And um, and we're, we're all youth doing this. Uh, most of them in, in my campaign, most of them never, <laughs> never did elections or any type of elections except university elections. Yeah. So... Um, and to me, uh, running from uh, running in Metin, starting in Beirut, all this in a big district where I I don't know a lot of people, like for example, I know in Beirut or whatever. Yeah. So this was uh, a bit I don't know I, I I I'm not gonna say scary, but it had like hiccups, question marks, doubts, uh, and psychologically it was it was tough. So I, I, I'm not full force, if you want. No, no, I wasn't full force. But then I remember the fact that, you know, I tell myself, as I mentioned that in the speech today, and why am I here? Um, what was the first drive that made, me, that made me think about running for elections? Although personally, I prefer to work low profile. <laughs> I prefer to work on someone's campaign. Uh, I'm more comfortable. <laughs> but, um, but so yeah, when I remember the drive and the urgency and the message that I want to send, the political message that I want to send to the youth, um, to the hope, you know, that we still have hope in this country, that we can still... Um, be active and like um, and be very clear, very loud about our political discourse and everything and our progressive discourse. So, yeah. With all due respect to your very elaborate and well-crafted answer, <laughs> I think none of that is right. <laughs> no, I probably no. not. I, I, this is my bet. You can say, you can tell me if you're right or if I'm right or wrong. Okay. I think uh, it's because there's a built-in frustration even on a good day, when it comes to Lebanese politics. And that maybe when you set out for this journey, you hit a wall without realizing it, that there are some things beyond your control. And that... It might be this. Yeah, I'm guessing it's not your determination, whether your pursuit, more that there's a built-in structural problem for a real independent to seek this path forward. Yeah. But, you know, and honestly, when I rem- when I see, like... The youth who are encouraging me or everyone, I feel that there is some kind of responsibility. And honestly, yeah. this is what makes me 
push my limits <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> to, to yeah to 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 stay and etc and um i think you uh, know yes maybe as you were saying and uh, to me maybe i was too idealistic mm. um i i i see things maybe i or i want things in a mm. I'm, I'm not going to say perfect, but ideal, the most democratic possible, especially yeah. in our um, environment as a position. You know, that, that's what I expect. Right. So maybe it was the first, you know, but it was, you know, I'm, it's a reality check. <laughs> you know, right. That's maybe, you know, yeah, we need more effort, more time. And But I appreciate um, you even admitting that you feel responsibility. And I think yeah. there's a lot of people that did not know enough about you before. Although I've seen snippets of you on TV, and I, I associate you with the protests, but why would we know about your earlier education or your academic journey unless you became more political? I think the responsibility that you are elaborating on, I mean, it's, it's, it's known already. You're one of the youngest, if not the youngest, current candidate, unless Michel Moore is a little younger. He's no, a, he's a little he's, he's older? <laughs> yeah, he's a little You're the youngest. <laughs> Great. And you're Let's have a debate with him. <laughs> but he doesn't have a program. <laughs> I, think, I think today he so, said... Uh, this would be difficult to he, have he, Why would debate. he offer if there's no reason to offer? <laughs> yeah. but, so he can be held accountable. Right. But Smart, you're, huh? But you're... But you're, uh, you're I mean... You're well accomplished in your education. It's been said many times. I don't want to repeat it. But you have a law degree, several law degrees. You went to Paris. You studied business and comparative law together. And you're a pioneer in student elections. If I remember right, it's Talib is the name of the organization or the the movement. And now it's the majority of student seats at St. Joseph. Went from something like 13 to something in the 80s. If not yeah, larger it, now, it started uh, with five seats. F- five now seats, 115. right? One hundred and fifteen. One hundred fifteen, right? So Maybe that's three people now, more than three hundred. Uh, and you're president of the secular club at at Saint Joseph, if I remember right. So you have a lot of. You even worked with Gilbert Dumet, yeah. <laughs> which in itself is an accomplishment, and I appreciate that you're a bit shy about talking about your age. I like that, when people sort of insist on asking, you know, you're twenty one, twenty two working on the Libelady work that Gilbert Dumit did in 2018. <laughs> I like that you're a bit shy because your age doesn't really matter. That's it's your true. commitment. So that's my long, very, very wide way of saying I'm happy you're still running for the reasons that make sense to you. But let's go from that transition, from what you were able to do in school, in university, and what you tried doing in 2018 with what happened in 2019 and onwards, I'm going to only speculate here. The level of compromising is so severe that it makes you perhaps not only run in a district you didn't necessarily want to run into, run run, run in, sorry, that's Freudian slip. And I know that you're from Metin. But no, that, I'm from the south. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're not, sorry. I live in Metten. I live in Metten. Yes, you're from the south. You live in Metten. But you're really, I think of you as a Beirute because you're yeah. Saint Joseph and you spent your better years in Beirut. You wanted to run in municipal elections. Municipal elections. Beirut. You wanted to run in Beirut Ula. It didn't happen. A uh, recent guest of mine was, I think, the man that was meant to, well, maybe it was the same seat, Ziad Abishakir. But that aside, the. He's Mount, a very good uh, candidate, by the way. 
he's a he's a fantastic he's candidate, and you are too. And just like certain jobs that there's only one post for, there's many posts <laughs> for this job in Lebanon, thankfully. But your your current situation in a in a list that is not necessarily. I mean, it's it's made up of a lot of independents. Coalition. It's a coalition. Coalition. And it's interesting characters. Some of them have been on the podcast. Some are familiar for improv and theater. Um, I know Shad and Najjar. I know Jad Ghassan. I don't think I've ever met Lucien. Uh, or Miriam. I don't think I've ever met her. But it seems like the kind of crowd that I would want to identify with. And then there's a lot of political bickering in the background. There's a lot of uh, debate between the slightly more Memphid-style protester and the slightly less. October 17 has been divided for a long time. But in your shoes, trying to do this journey, has that impacted your politics in any way? Have you been forced to maybe adapt to those things that are probably beyond your control and beyond everyone's control in October 17? Mm. Um, personally, I've never done a concession mm. on um, my political discourse, on any speech. I want to say if it was in Beirut, in Metin, in the South, it would be the exact same one. Um, so, yeah, there's no room for concession there. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't do this. And I personally, to begin with the, the story, if you want, <laughs> bottom line, um, so at first, um, many groups were like, encouraged me to run in different districts uh, mm. way before elections, um, deadline. Oh, so, oh, before you made the decision to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Way, yeah. And um, to me, the, the most relevant uh, place or district, it was Beirut al yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for the reason that you mentioned. Um, the second one was Metin, uh, as I lived there, I know my school was there, yeah. and my parents' house, and I lived there as well. So th- there is a certain link, you know. So um, it came naturally to think of Metin when, yeah. when Beirut was not an option. Um, it was still an option, actually. Right, yeah. It was still an option. And I remember <laughs> I remember the last night, I, I was still supported um, but I know I was you know the one who were supporting the most my candidacy were Beirut Be- 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 yeah. and there were other uh, youth groups, uh, mm. other groups that were endorsing as well, Mada Sheen, Beirut Tukawim, many other uh, yeah so components. Um, so um, so it wasn't it was it wasn't like uh, there was no room or. It wasn't possible anymore. Hmm. You know, Belagis, I remember in front of <laughs> the ministry where I had to like do the registration, etc. They were uh, like from, you know, they, they were with me telling me, no, Verena, please put the <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> and the others, oh. there was, there was, you know, I remember there was Lucia and my, my friend, there was like, like literally my friend in the middle telling me, Verena, don't run, <laughs> please don't run, don't go there. They were um, Beirut, the ones who were, you know, Beirut Madinati, really were telling me Beirut. <laughs> and, yeah. and Lucia and Farah were telling me uh, that, you know, um, please, you know, at least, you know, no, you know, don't think of uh, stepping back or something, you know, metin, etc. 
and uh, I know there were a lot of people, uh, like uh, especially Matin Danes, who were mm. very happy and they were encouraging me, you know, yeah, Matin, and we'll do a good work, etc., etc. Um, so at that at that time, they were still the the, the process was still there. Um, we had a process between um, to choose the criteria, and yeah, there was criteria, etc., between Ziad and I. Um, and there was a tie, and then we had to do a debate, etc. So it wasn't done. <laughs> but to me, these were behind the scenes uh, decisions, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, it, I, I it wasn't I, done yet, and it was about to oh, be done. Oh, I see. I would have but loved then, to be in the room in that kind yeah. of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then, um, honestly, what made me, خلاص uh, إنه turn the page uh, on Beirut, um, the fact that I was feeling that maybe uh, in a way. I am the cause of a problem. I maybe see. if I step back, maybe there will be a room for uh, conciliation. And um, and I was afraid from the scenario of two lists. And, and uh, I couldn't honestly take it. And I couldn't think that it was because of me or whatever. So even though they were telling you, it's not about you. <laughs> no, we promise you it's not about you. But you know, I couldn't take it. Honestly, I would argue that had you run in Beirut al-Ula, the chances would have been as difficult in in your shoes. Meaning, and this is terrain I'd like to explore with you, because you're running in districts that have well-established names, and they're easy to list. And I think obvious ones for Beirut al-Ula would be someone like Nadim Ismail who's technically campaigning against Ziad Abishekar. They're campaigning for the same yep. spot. I've had them both on the podcast. Actually, Nadim was sitting here. Okay. Ziad was at my, <laughs> at my home. Um, and you're in Metin now, and you're running against, for the same spot, Elias Hankash, who's, and I think, I mean, as difficult of an opponent in terms of household names, yeah. meaning the familiarity and I think that's right. Elias Hankash is running for the same spot yeah. with you and with many others yeah. that are... There are four Maronites. F- four Maronites, yeah. So <laughs> <there's, it's very laughs> good. Yeah. So in, in, in that kind of situation, you're, you have well-established names and parties that are difficult to compete with. Mm-hmm. But in Metin, I'm only speculating here, it's a bit of a... It's a steeper it's climb. Yeah, because you're... Because I'm from... I know... Even though your home is there, but I would think of you in the more, I guess the more, I don't know what the word is, the, the no, younger, because, maybe no, more. I know, I, you know, I know more people there, people there know me more, mm. you know, there are the university where <laughs> I've worked yeah. with them since years, you know, and ESG, uh, all the, the protests, I think protests. of you in Beirut. Exactly, I was there all the time. Yeah. Maybe 18 hours a day at least. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so th- it makes more sense. And mm. I know that I can, like, you know, I know how to run a campaign there. I know how to make it, you know, in, in, in Matanya. It's, it's way more difficult. It's, yeah. it's a huge district. I've never done it before. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of challenges and, and mainly that it's, and mainly the problem or the the biggest obstacle is that I don't know a lot of people there personally. Um, but to me, 
um, what's important is the message, is why I am running yeah. and the discourse that I, <laughs> that I want to put on the table. So to me, you know, Akid, it would have been easier, um, morally, psychologically, etc. But I think, you know, you know, I know why I'm there. I'm mm. there, like, really for this political message, for, for our progressive discourse, um, to show that, yes, we as youth... Anjad, you know, we can change things. Anjad, we can be in the front lines. And not only, always, you know, we always hear that everyone is talking about women empowerment, youth inclusion, etc. But, <laughs> but in reality, they forget about you. So I wanted to show my generation that, yes, we can be there. Yes, we can fight. And it's our duty to fight. If now, after August 4, after the, the economic crisis, after the Thawra, where we were, our generation were leading uh, to a certain extent. So if not now, then when? And if not we, then who? <laughs> so you, you represent two things at once, but I'm going to try to say this politely. I know that a lot of people, and maybe yourself, they think of you as part of that woman-led youth movement. But when I listen to you talk, I don't think of either one. I think about you because you stand out. You're very well-researched. You don't BS in anything you say. Your principles are extremely clear, even when there's disagreement on them, but you hold your ground. Every TV interview, other podcasts, I can listen to you talk, and I'm actually inspired. And I never think of your youth or your gender, which to me, I don't know if this is almost uh, sinful to say this, I don't know. To me, that's a, that's a strength, that you mm -hmm. are, in a way, a household name increasingly. And I think of you, Verena Al-Amil. And I think you have a, if it's not going to happen this round, I think you have a future career in politics if you want it. But allow me to do two things. Talk about what you want for this country, your aspirations and allow me to be the devil's advocate sure diplomatically okay <laughs> no so. need for diplomacy <laughs> well, I, <laughs> did you bring any knives no good <laughs> so the the terrain that you're expressing is not just yours it's i think the majority of october 17 sure. uh the aspirations for fundamental change that could be through civil state procedures that could be the the yearning for a secular state and we can get into these things it could also sure. be basic reforms that have been left, they've been shelved for decades. Um, it could even be something more simplistic, which is a functioning government, which is almost setting the bar low, but that's really where it is now. And I think a lot of that resonates across generations and across geographies. I don't think that's limited to Beirut al-Ula or Metin or to any exactly. sort of geography. But I take issue always, and this is my, maybe it's a bad habit, when I hear things, and you say what you'd like about this, the prioritization of a secular state, even when you, someone like you and someone like me are probably far more secular than anything, but it's that prioritization of something that I don't know Lebanese necessarily want and maybe will never really want the way we think of that word. Mm. And we'll get into that. The second one, and... I know it's taken for granted. I know this. Everyone equates March 8 with March 14 when it comes to the current politics. I know this. I've had Jad Ghusn on the podcast. 
I've been on his podcast. I had Shabin Nahas sitting right where you were sitting. <laughs> we spent two hours on that. I'm not going to be hard because I know that's a boring debate sometimes, but I just don't think it's true. I don't think that's fair. Now, I will say this knowing that you are not running with Mimfid. That's clear. Uh, you have your it's own... It's a coalition. It's a coalition, right. I'm running with the campaign of Gilles Terrier, Generation of Change. It was in right. Beirut as well yes. and in Matin. Right. Like, to me, ideally, it was something that could be like... Uh, that would support all the youth to mm. like uh, vote and to be candidates, etc. But now, since there are not enough uh, time, so I am the candidate of Gilles Terrier for now. <laughs> but but if, with your permission, and you say as much as you'd like about each one, I'd like to go into these things with you because I know you believe you're being honest in your convictions. Maybe we can analyze them the way you see it and see if there's any nuance. And maybe sometimes these these disagreements are not, maybe they're amplified on social media, but they're not maybe that severe when we talk yeah. about it. So let's start with that big word, secularism. Hmm. It seems like that's the priority when it comes to at least what I've heard you speak about, that this is It's not just you, obviously. I think it's the overwhelming majority. But let's get into that. I, I just don't see a change in the system the way most secular advocates see it. Okay. Can, can I ask you how do you see it? I, thank you. <laughs> can I be yeah. the host now? <laughs> of course. What I see, and this is, I mean, I spent maybe more than an hour okay. with Shabin Nahas trying to understand this the way he sees it. I think our power sharing consensual, inefficient, slow and sluggish sectarian system, I think is in desperate need of reform. Okay. I don't think it can be undone okay. yet. I think perhaps later, if most Lebanese wish for that, they should be not afraid of it because that form of governance should work here too. But I don't think that is where inertia is in Lebanon. Now that's a very broad, so it's unpopular... it's what people want, in your opinion? It's about, I think, the reasons why this country even exists to begin with. I think power... Yeah, power sharing, not in, a, not in the way we experience it now, not this horrible version of Lebanon, but things that have been ignored for decades whether it's something simple like a sectarian senate and a merit-based parliament so that we don't care if you're Maronite or Shia. Yeah. No one asks if you're Sunni or Druze, but in a senate that adheres to sectarian concerns. That's, for me, a simple step. But I think, and this is maybe me, me, maybe getting older, I think if you put all of us in Lebanon today and set us out to sea, and there's no problems in the middle of the ocean, We're not in the Middle East. We're a, an island on a ship. Four million of us are on this ship together. I really think in 15 minutes, we'll have a Maronite captain. <laughs> <laughs> and then so it's about minutes, the mentality. Okay. I think we'd have a Sunni co-captain and a Shia co-captain, but leave us there alone for a very long time. We may actually reform that. Hmm. So yes, it's about how this country was conceived and whether or not that's really the reason why we collapsed. I just don't see that as the reason why we're where we are right now. 
So if, right. sorry for this huge, huge <laughs> question, but could you no. could you at least kill anything I've said right now yeah. or dismiss it the way? <laughs> yeah. No, actually, I understand your point of view. To me, secularism um, or changing the system, abolishing the system, um, it starts from um, maybe rightest place. Mm, mm. Um, I would think that. Okay, people are afraid of secularism. They think, I don't know, <laughs> it's against the, the religions, against... Mm. The, where, where to me, it, it comes to um, protect even the, the, the religious or, or some confessions or minorities when, when you know, everyone is equal, as yeah. simple as that. Um, to me, you know, maybe, okay, you would tell me the problem is chaos, the problem is corruption, the problem is um, um, the war, the civil war, because we didn't have any conciliation or any transitional um, or any transitional justice, I would say, yes, I would agree with mm, you. Mm. But to me, the problem in Lebanon, and yeah, that's true, their their uh, corruption, their the militia, their everything, you know, everything we're going to talk about uh, later on. But um, you know, the problem in Lebanon is that it's not only about, um, for example, in, I don't know, uh, in, uh, in the ministries or something, whatever. You know, it's not, the, the problem is not only about, you know, um, there's one Maronite seat, one Sunnite seat, mm. etc. The problem is that the traditional parties are using this seat um, to do their Zabaini, <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. how they are controlling people. So, and in this detail, that's how they can interfere. That's how they are able to divide people as well. Mm. Um, we are always, you know, people usually are afraid of each other. I remember, I remember, you know, uh, at St. Joseph University, you know, my first year, you know, there were never actual um, debate about any kind of program or any kind of political uh, view or aspiration. or uh, So, you know this. You know what only matters at, at that time was saying. You know, yes. Uh, I don't know. I remember 4th of March. I remember RF saying, "No, if you don't vote with, uh, if you don't vote, vote for us, uh, Hezbollah is gonna make a mosque instead of Shabbat." Yeah, I know you no, know that's that sure, very sure. Uh, simplistic way. Just yeah. to tell you on a on a on a bigger scale, mm-hmm. um, we are always afraid. There's always this kind of she's. Um, between us because of the confessionalism to a certain extent. Mm. And that's how they were able uh, to pursue, to exist, to continue, despite mm. what they have done um, since the war till now. Um, so to me, um, to break this, if you want, and to break um, the divinity of the yeah, Zion. Yeah, yeah. That's a good word and, uh, to use, actually. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. or the half divinity. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it starts with you uh, know them losing power. I know I don't want to talk about the laws. I will, but in uh, in an abstract way, you know, they are losing power. You know, it's if it's a power game, they are losing some kind of power. Mm. To me, and um, what's more, most important, talking about secularism means having a person say is law mm-hmm. yes civic this means equality yeah this means uh women's right yeah this means children's right 
So, and that's non-negligible <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, to me, um, being or living in a state or or having uh, a state, you know, the end goal is to give the people their rights. Let me interject and try to best understand because you are, you're very, you're eloquently outlining a very desirable path forward. And it would be foolish for me to dismiss secularism. Secularism is a model that works. But I will say that and I think... And shouldn't be à la française, by the way. Not that yeah? pure... Yeah, not this... Uh, not language-based uh, ideology. Uh, but I, I think... Or, or legal... Not, yeah. yeah, not that extreme form. But I'm, I'm meaning more that... Is there a middle ground for Lebanese to, to perhaps look forward to? So in other words, I, I completely agree. I mean, this family status, woman's right to woman's yeah. right to nationality in yeah. itself the, the, and, and, and all that comes with it uh, that those could be on the path to reform but we don't necessarily need to suggest an upending of the power sharing model right now because I worry that we cosmopolitan Lebanese that like each other a little too much are perhaps a fringe when it comes to the wider audience and I say this as somebody who's spent better part of my life with the crowd that we both like in this country not like the crowd that we identify with this very mixed and tolerant and diverse crowd where i don't i, I don't need to know that you're maronite i know because of elections right <laughs> yeah. and you don't no one knew my friends never knew and we never right. you know yeah and i always look and i don't find the sunni bone in me <laughs> <laughs> I've searched and searched and searched. I never found it. So that that kind of terrain for me is appealing. But I don't think we are the voice when it comes to that. I think there's a bigger voice that is generational. I agree. I agree. But I think we need this fundamental change, mm. as you said, mm. um, to build again. I know. To me, the problem that uh, is that um, since a long time ago. And for every problem, we're like, okay, Allah, okay. Yeah. We never had this like, bigger aspect, this policies, clear policies. In my opinion, to start building or to start having a state that uh, that could be uh, provincial, that could that could give the rights to its people, mm. um, you need this khalas and fundamental change, in my opinion, or the way I see things. Yeah. Maybe it's because of my age or whatever. But um, to me, you know, in every detail, it pop up. It pops up. <laughs> you know? yeah. I remember, you know, hey, I'll give you silly, very silly examples. Um, but you know, I can remember when, you know, before um, the uprising, uh, if you remember, there were hey, always hey, haraya, if you remember, etc. Yeah. And um, I mean, that, that's the problem, days before it yeah, starts, exactly. yeah, exactly, yeah. and Shuf and uh, yeah. all over, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and one of the problems, you know, you know that has escalated that much and that fast and uh, there was no agents because um, um, or security or whatever because there were there were no consent about their confession something that simple the, regarding that the silly. fire trucks that yeah. were not sent yeah I thought these were left these were uh, uh, dis un unusable fire trucks the Minister of no, Interior, no, the, the I think. Security, there, were, there were no security in the forest. Oh, you know? sorry. Oh, okay, right. Preventing, guards. I see, yeah. I see. Right, right. 
That's a very silly example. Yeah. yeah but yeah. just to tell you, you know, in every detail, the Shiktir Akbar, you know, it always pops up. Um, yeah. So, I know maybe you would tell me, you know, it's not the priority for people. Mm. But to me, the problem in Lebanon is within this system. And to me, changing the system, by the way, you know, you know it's not always about a coup d'etat or something. Sure, you know, sure. It can be ch- through legislation, etc. Yeah. Um, but to me, you know, sometimes you don't have to wait for the, you know, the, the Hague, you know, you don't have to wait to people to be ready sometimes mm. the laws can be leading to a certain progressive way that would um, be more like uh, okay, I know. I know to me what matters at the end is human rights to me what matters at the end yeah. is a better life for the people you know you you know in different uh, outlets I've heard you echo a, a desire for fairness And I think, yeah, I think if anything, that's what resonates with me the most. And you're looking for fairness even as a child. I I heard you say it once. You were a troublemaker at school for trying to unionize (laughs) the students against injustice in the classroom. (laughs) I mean, that to me is the kind of person I want in my life. That's a determined student applying the law as she sees it when she's young. And it's no accident that you're a lawyer. I think it it makes sense. That's true. I always wanted to be a lawyer or a journalist. And now you're kind of both, by like sharing <laughs> your voice all the time. So, but, but I had recently uh, a fellow lawyer, Shaden, uh, Shaden Daif from Shamaluna, yeah. and she's she's a brilliant. Lo- she's brilliant, yeah. and it's the same kind of aspiration. She's a little older. I shouldn't say that. She's as young. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll get in trouble either Doesn't way. Matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, but but she's a she's a lawyer, and she's reaching the same kind of frustration that her mm. her career is meaningless unless it's respected by the government and it should happen and i, I appreciate all that that background that journey i just wish that it was easier to talk about reforming sectarianism rather than upending the system because i think that language could perhaps appeal to less secure lebanese that don't see Lebanon the way we do. How how would you think about it in having Majlis Shriou, for example? As a like starting that? point, not necessarily okay. as the end goal. Okay. But the, and the transitional phase. Letting the letting the, the constitution mentions. Oh yeah, it's in Taif. It's one of three pillars of Taif, and all three have been ignored, or one of them was implemented by me, force. And yeah. to me, and it's personal. I think you know you're giving even more um, legitimate power mm. to um, you know, the, the leader of confessions. You know, That's how I see it. I want, yes, I, you're right. That could be an unintended consequence in the short term because the crowd that appeals most right now is the crowd that a lot of people want out. But I'd like them and I'd like all of us to live in a country that we haven't yet, the system that has been hijacked. And I don't think what we inherited after the war is necessarily bad. I think it's been disrupted and paralyzed. But I don't have this very uh, dim outlook on Ta'if. I think of Ta'if as a stage of reform that we never that had. Hasn't been yeah. Applied. Now, and that's a. I appreciate you. you know, even it's a more me... pragmatic, if you want, approach. But to me, it's even pragmatic. Yeah, I mean, 
secularism, it's, it can be pragmatic. If you remember, um, heck, the, the, the moment of October, uh, of October 17, 2019, you know, and no one would have thought it would be that intense. No, mm-hmm, one, mm-hmm. no, one, no one thought that it would happen. Yeah. And no, heck, from a day to another, all the people on the streets, all the people demanding and no, to abolish the system. And yeah. no, there were like a discourse that was and no, very progressive in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It was like everywhere from Beirut to Tripoli to Tier to, yeah. to everywhere, like literally. Yeah, yeah. And from Sherry all yeah. the way to Nabati. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So at this moment, in my opinion, if we were like um, had, I, I'm not going to say more experience, if, if we had like more organized um, groups or base that would uh, know how to um, in a way um, to something more concrete that would um, mm. that, that would continue after this moment, if you want, yeah. after this hype. Okay, at that moment, in my opinion, with the pressure that could have been on the streets, with the awareness that had popped up at that time, I think asking for this kind of state or this kind of change wasn't impossible with this flow, with this, um, uh, heke, uh, with this, yani, need or, or, or aspiration for change, I don't think it was impossible. I think there are many ways, you know, okay, we, we see the parliament and the legislation as a way of changing things. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I believe in that, but I believe as well that, you know, having this kind of awareness and pressure on the streets and having, you know, reaching to people, um, I think this could make a lot of change and you know, people want that as well and you know. yeah. have you ever thought um, of listening I don't know in the south you know the discourse against the stakeholders there for example or asking as well you know, or demanding the abolish of um, of of the of the confessional system and you know, you know it happened it happened it wasn't impossible you know I'll, I'll say some it had it been beyond Hariri's resignation, had we seen Ba'abda evacuated the way he ran away 32 years ago, 33 years ago, had we seen the Speaker of Parliament pack up, and had we seen... They were really afraid. Had we seen the biggest obstacle, in my opinion, in the way not intervene in the protests or have no say... I think I would fully subscribe to everything you've just said, and I'd feel like a dinosaur for suggesting it. Mm. Within days, while we were protesting, I think that inertia already kicked in. But let me save that to the end, because I think that's a nice way of wrapping it up. I want to challenge you on something that I hear too often. I don't think it's fair, although everyone says it for a living. Jad Ghosn is a friend, and he says it every day. Shabin Nahas believes it. I like the way his mind operates. But there's this thing in this. I just don't think it's true. No, March 14 and March 8 are not the same thing. They're simply not the same thing. The mutated version of March 14 that I think both of us know too well is not March 14. That's Hezbollah's reinterpretation of March 14. But I don't know why there's an insistence on saying I don't tolerate either 
I want what's best for Lebanon. To me, March 14 is the springboard to independence. Mm. And I would not say this without full conviction, but that's my best memory of the beginning of demands for change post-Civil War. I don't think it's a sinful protest or a sinful movement. So convince me why I was, I, I'm saying something that is so sinful to October <laughs> 17. I just don't believe it. Yeah. Personally, I understand where you're coming from. I know. Thank you. Uh, On to the next question. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I know your father as well and everything. No, nothing no, to do know. with that. On the contrary, it's what I remember of March 14. Yeah. It's That's not, the point. It's not personal. Me, it's It's national. Yeah. Sorry. No, no I'm sorry. <laughs> to me, there is a big difference between 14 of March 2015, 2005, mm. and then after it. 14, 14th um, of March 2005, it was okay. There was, again, you no know, international stuff happening, that's for sure. Um, many stuff around, okay, that's for sure. But there was a certain dynamic. Um, youth-led, student-led, um, it was the people. Absolutely. Okay, it was a no, Akid no. There were many other, many other bigger factors, etc. But uh, no, there was this dynamic. Sure. And the people at that time who believed in... Um, and, and who believed in the C C A D? Oh, uh, sovereignty. Sovereignty. Yeah. Who believed in sovereignty, who wanted... Um, and uh, no, the, the the Syrian army out. And uh, no, this is legitimate. And this is what we all wanted. And maybe mm. at that time I would have, I was a child, but I remember but I still there. have it. But <laughs> I, I, I would be there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. But um, but after it, I uh, know the ones who uh, like took advantage of were uh, the sectarian leaders who started the war. They were all part of what happened. Um, okay, and no, to me, <laughs> you won't agree, I know, but uh, maybe Hariri and and Kohenu, no, no, I wouldn't um, go for the economic system that that started uh, within the the nineties. Um, and no, to me, and no, youth were paying the price as well. You're, you're avoiding one thing, which I have to hammer down on. I'm not talking about the, all the reasons to hate Rafi Hariri, all the legitimate reasons to criticize yeah. him has nothing to do with this. Yeah. It's, the in, it's the inability for too many in October 17 to point the yeah. finger at Hezbollah at the obvious issues. Okay. I know maybe you're, you're more vocal about it because I've heard you suggest yeah. it in certain ways. There's this disinterest in Hezbollah's capabilities to take politics and make them perverted. Yeah. And I don't think March 14 failed because of sectarianism or sectarian leaders that are that are mediocre. But they wanted a piece of the cake. That's the, they wanted, no, yeah, that's, that's how, the, you know, that's the mutated version of it years later. I agree with you. But there's... It started from then, you know, they took advantage of <laughs> the death of many people, of um, many people being there, uh, you know, very authentic people being on the streets and you know, doing all what they've done, which was huge at that time, in my opinion. Um, but yes, I know, I know it was about Masalah all the time. It was about interests. It was about a piece of cake. Um, they May were I ask all you, what, what is the hesitation to even suggest... And we don't have to talk about him. Let's remove him from the conversation. Right. That there's from every sector of Lebanese society that we would want reformed, there's a figure that was killed by that group. 
and that's the culmination of March 14th's demise. Why, why is that uh, thinking so uh, frowned upon? Mm. I'm really under, I'm trying to understand why it's still a policy to circumvent Hezbollah. No, no. In my opinion, you know, your guy Samir Asir is the first who's assassinated after Rafi Hariri, or no, sorry, the second George Hewi, who's even more left than Samir Asir is is the first. Then comes Samir Asir. These guys from your October 17. Yeah. But we don't talk about them. We prefer to talk about, about, talk about sectarianism. We prefer talking about the Jaja, Hariri, uh, Jumblat, the, the old stuff that is obviously there, but that's not why a movement dies. And that's not why Lebanon dies. So to me, when you have a state, a secular state, um, and and when you have and you know, at least and yeah. the the and it gives less of a reason for um parties uh, with ideologies or parties with a, a certain like a no confessional or religious uh, drive mm-hmm. to be there mm-hmm. okay that's for sure mm-hmm. yeah but on another hand as well, mm. maybe, uh, the pre- not maybe, but actually, the presence of illegitimate uh, weapons, etc., would be an obstacle to build a um, real state. <laughs> or, so what, what I'm trying to say, when we talk about mm. secularism, doesn't mean a no we're not saying that you know there shouldn't be and you know, uh, there should no there shouldn't be the a monopoly of mm. arm of the army within the state for example mm-hmm. so that's yeah but you see it as a priority in terms of getting to secularism first as opposed to trying it's to it's not either or it's not in either my opinion or. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah. either or and and i guess the reason i suggested reform and sectarianism was that no, it influences each other. Both influence yes. each other. I actually, I, I noticed. I think that's where the dividing line is in a lot of these discussions. I think mm-hmm. it's the whether or not the state. And I understand both yeah. rhetorics or narrative to me, but mm-hmm. to me, you know, one doesn't exclude, uh, exclude the other. I, I think, and I'm going to cite an, uh, a, a guest on the podcast, Nadim Shahadi. Uh, he writes regularly, and he pontificates regularly on this podcast. Um, He suggested that there's really two camps when it comes to reform demands on the street. One is looking at Lebanon as a disfigured, but uh, a country that is born in error, that Mm -hmm. the structure from foundation is wrong and it has to be fixed, which I think is really what you're saying. And there's that other camp that says Lebanon has been beaten up repeatedly. And I think I lean more in that that, that way. Direction. Yeah, but I think both have their legitimate arguments, mm-hmm. which is why I like exploring them extensively to see where actually that nuanced disagreement is. But I I agree with the demands and the desires. I just don't know if equating things that are not necessarily the same. I mean, I an ambition you know, at, at me, preserving me, Syria's really, security disorder, which was best represented by March 8, and a movement, a coalition of parties that we hate today, parties that we frown upon today, their most capable reformers from within were all eliminated. 
that they're not the same to me. But everyone says it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think. No, the way I see things, hmm. we should choose between I don't know sovereignty or like uh, common people's rights. And we don't have to choose between mm, mm. sovereignty or I, I don't know a uh, personal status law. And why can't be? Mm. Why can't it be uh, both? Yeah. And um, And okay, if we're not able now to have you know, the sovereignty the way we see it or we aspire for it, because there are many uh, components that have you know that that have certain links with um, other countries, etc. We're not, and I'm not going to go there now. But you know, it doesn't mean that you know, you know, we should say and you know, only focus. You know, on this and say you know, it's mm. not the time to talk about people's rights. Mm-hmm. I see one as a precondition to reform. It's it's hard for me to see Lebanon reforming without tackling what drove it to hell. And for me, it's not about October 17 or March 14. I look back to the 1970s and I see Lebanon's... Early, yeah. So I, I think, I mean, I, I'll, I'll let the conversation move on, but I appreciate this very important discussion because I think... We're forging a path forward that we're both going to be on eventually. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe healthy to really look at why Lebanon collapsed. Mm-hmm. And maybe no, examine really when these... You, yeah. you know, even when we talk about war, you know, we cannot not say that it was... You know, you know, if we had you know, a more like, secular state, it would have been tougher to, or harder to arrive to the point where we have arrived during the, the war. To me, and to me, the problem is that, and no, as you we were saying before, and no, they were never this transitional justice. Mm. They were never this conciliation. There was no, they were never this discussion and to hick to, to stop the temper or or, or the hassasiyat or shahan if you want. So um, it starts from there. I I believe so. Yeah. And then you think and no. Uh, everyone and you know, or every hey, okay, confession is afraid of the other, and you know, then you have mobile sure. you have you know, uh, you know, you know, you know and that, that's yeah. What I'll do is I'll I'll put Hezbollah aside for now because we kind of we talked about it by merging it with mm-hmm. the March 14, March 8 stuff. But I'll just add one thing: yeah, you know, Maronite overpower, then Sunni overpower, then Shiite overpower. You know, you'll always you'll always have this because you know, you know, we didn't. Ziad Abishakir said the same thing, and I'm not going to do the same thing to you. I told him I think he's absolutely wrong. <laughs> I don't see communities uh, winning and losing in Lebanon. What I see... Having an overpower, you know? I see 1970 as the beginning of the end of our sectarian state that should have been on its path to reform. And I see Fatah in Lebanon is the reason why Christians armed themselves. I don't think Maronites were naturally preparing themselves for war in the 1960s. The Sunnis that accepted Syria's hegemony in Lebanon, I think take full responsibility and should take responsibility for not doing enough at times and letting the economy slip into this crony capitalism that we live in. Mm. And that's the 1990s. I don't think Rafiq Hadidi would have probably survived much longer as a politician without the Syrian disorder in Lebanon. Mm. I think that contributed to everyone's 
political failings, including his, it also contributed to his murder the moment he shifted a bit. I don't think the Shia are doing anything more than being a hijacked population, unable to do diligent politics. I don't think of it as Shia dominion. I think of them as the same as us, suffering through a disorder that's not theirs. So my my view on Lebanon is too romantic, I think. But I'll I'll go from there with your permission. I would say as well, if there is a state that would give, again equal rights, equal opportunities, job opportunities, and no less of a people will be like, you know, attached or dependent on these kind of parties. Let's go there, because that's what you best represent. And you are somebody that I would vote for in Metin. So I, I, after that whole spiel... You don't vote in Metin. I know, I don't. <laughs> Unfortunately. No, but, but after that whole uh, discourse that I dumped on you... Yeah. I would still vote for someone like you because I respect people that are battling inertia and gravity in Lebanon. So I do believe in this challenge. I don't necessarily subscribe to radical change, but I do believe in reform, and that's meeting halfway already. And I'd rather have you than an older voice that I've seen before. I'd like Lebanon to experience what an independent mind looks like in parliament. So that's my my way of saying I do trust in in your path. But I'd like to know what you think of in terms of Beirut and Metin, because you were technically going to run here first, Beirut al-Ula. You're ending up in Metin, where your home is. Have you seen a shift in the priorities and in conversations with the average person? No. Is there any sort of, it's the same conversation? Yeah. Okay, what, what do you hear the most when you're on the ground? Or better yet, when you're stuck with Jad, Lucien, Miriam, and Shadin in someone's apartment talking politics, what do you hear the most that is pressing right now? In Metin. In your, in your current no, policy, yeah. What's, what's different while talking to people in Beirut mm. and to people in Metin? Um, maybe because it's more about like families there etc so mm. will, they will come and ask you where are you from who are your families and uh, um, uh, who are your family members etc but then when you start engaging and talking politics um, I think the age for example and no and no it's like the, their age or your age my age your age yeah, yeah. Um, to the bent to some metnies and some villages mm. I realize and they work at first no what are you doing here no and no know you can do this but after engaging and talking and no I see no it's it's like no, they are convinced, and then they want to introduce me to their family members. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so you're, and Beirut, you're, you're persuading them while you're th- while you're talking. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That, that's what I realized. Mm. But the problem is reaching out to them with this little bit of time. Yeah, that's the ob- the, the biggest obstacle to me, or what that I have uh, confronted. Um, in Beirut, it's different. And no, no, it's not about families, not about hey, but um, had a, I know it's more problem, probable that we know each other, you know, with Beirutis and yeah. Beirut Ula. Uh, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, for example, this is, you know, very odd to them or, you know, you don't, I, I, يعني, you don't need to go, but to me, you know, it's not a problem, you know, it's not a big of... Uh, 
an obstacle. The the real obstacle to me is that it's, you know, I'm talking campaigning, pure yeah. campaigning yeah. here. Um, it's a big, it's a hell of a district. It's so big. <laughs> oh, size-wise. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's different terrains and it's exactly. different. Exactly. Right. And, um, and yeah, no, I don't know the families and it's mm. a lot of art families. And, you know, I wasn't prepared for yeah. this, but I think with more time, it would have been much easier. In your day-to-day conversations, when you meet anyone from any age group, do you sense that there's a first experience for the voter that you're actually mm. running? Because I, I asked uh, Najat Aoun Saliba mm. recently yeah. uh, about her on-the-ground experience in Shouf. And she said a lot of people don't really know what to ask. Or they're, they're more comfortable talking about international affairs than they are with local exactly. politics. Yeah. So is that something you're facing where you have to make them trust mm. you more? Mm. Oh, yeah. I know. And I've seen it, and no, they start telling you, America, Iran. For example, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, really. If you had a she, but then when you go there, build discussion, and you tell them, and no, you know, there can be things, you know, there are things that can be done, and no, it's small, but it can affect your um, everyday life. Could, could you uh, give an example for what Metin, what a Metin voter, once they've crossed that line, what comes up in terms mm-hmm. of actual issues? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, no, you know, it's the same, you know, when you talk about, you know, uh, a law for judiciary independence, and they will tell you, okay, yes, we can do it without America. <laughs> oh, so you go fine. down that road with yeah. them in judicial independence, yeah, yeah, okay? For example, um, and I think, I think, and you know, while and you know, when they see that there's a you no, know, a kind of fake you know, political knowledge way, mm, <laughs> and, mm. and when I tell them, you know, and and they, and when when they tell me, you no. Know, and how can you do it? Why can you do it? And why? And you're very young. You know, when I tell them, for example, about my academic, um, yeah, yeah. if you want a background, uh, they say, oh, okay, you can do it. Oh, okay. And then when I tell them that you know, politics you know, you know, can be driven differently, you know, being in parliament, you know, it's about knowing the laws, wanting to change the laws, pushing for them, doing also, you know, having, you know, people who are pressuring on the ground so that you can pressure the parliamentaries inside. And now they say, oh, okay, it can be possible. You know, it can be possible. And sometimes they are not convinced. <laughs> and many times they are not convinced. Are they not convinced about, about you being an independent as opposed to you, let's say, being in Kata'ib like Elias Hankash? Is it that kind they of... Are not, they are not convinced... Um, sometimes they are not convinced that in no way we can do, or if I am elected, in no, I can do or take the fundamental radical change alone. Mm. But I see that they appreciate the effort, and then they are happy, and then say, "Okay, we want to vote for you, or oh, we want to tell your family, our okay. families, to vote for you." Yeah. No, so so they reach that that yeah. stage. Then let me ask you: You mentioned judicial independence. I wouldn't ask you had that not been a, a really important issue for everyone. We're in. We're approaching May, so that would be seven months. 
since Torre Bitor has not touched the port blast investigation. Mm. You're in Parliament. Let's say not May 15. You need a break. <laughs> you get some sleep. You wake up. It's June. <laughs> You're in Parliament. and No time for sleep after being elected, no? I'll, I'll drive you to Parliament May 15. Okay. We'll cross the barrier. I'll throw you <laughs> over the barrier and you're in. You're the only one there. And let's say there's a, 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 a group or even a coalition within Parliament that represents your demands too. It could be from October 17. It could even theoretically be regime figures that want to work with you. And maybe over time, that's just politics. But it doesn't even matter what the size is. But there's a structured minority that demands for judicial independence. Whether it's 5, 10, 15, 30, doesn't matter. I can't see Tare Bitar picking up and leaving where he left off in October. Because, I think, the problems that he faces are what I was largely referring to at the beginning. Which is, this is not really an issue about... Lebanese governance. This is a huge burden on Lebanon that has nothing to do with you or me. Mm. So anything you can say about that, what you would like to see happen, and what you actually could see happen if you win? I think um, you might say, you know, it's about doing some noise. (laughs) Mm, mm. But I would say sometimes when, you know, once in parliament, yes, you have your law ready. Yes, you have your job done. Maybe the lobbying <laughs> doesn't work because it depends on who is there, who is elected. So sometimes you can't have the majority to pass the law or whatever. Mm. Um, but sometimes just being there, being honest and true to yourself, um, talking to people, asking for them to support as public opinion, um, asking oh, for them, af- asking yeah. them to lobby in their mm. own parties, mm-hmm. asking them or convincing them to, to yes, to lobby um, in their own parties, to their own zai or whatever, I think, yes, you can do this kind of change. Mm. But sometimes you see that uh, no, no one speaks up and no one no. speaks to the people and tell them, okay, this is super important, this is crucial, yalla, hayda. And I want to add something, I would like to add something and no, Having the background and Hague and the background from the streets, from the protests, coming from Hague and uh, grassroots uh, movement, I think that would help um, to put some pressure on the ground as well. And this is um, mm. this is important. So the way I I can imagine it, the pressure on the ground, the public opinion, talking to people, convincing them, and having a certain m- impact. Having a good, you know, strong, uh, strong project, law project, uh, speaking up about everything that's uh, not going well, and you know, I think, and you know, it's not nothing, and you, know, you can push to some reforms that way. And um, but I like I you, you chose the word noise. That to me sounds like pressure against the regime from within the regime. Yeah. So what does that? To look- me, it's it's it's. Um, it's a confrontation point mm. with the regime, the way I see it. And no, in the universities, we had a confrontation with the regime inside. Maybe oh, we've won a battle. You're okay. going to take what you took in San Joseph <laughs> and take it to Parliament. 
<laughs> no, I know it's 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 a confrontation. Yeah. It's one it's one battle. Another one was you know in the streets and during the uprising and after the uprising and before it, etc. Another one is during the process of just the fact of you know um, you know being a candidate. Okay, it's it's a form of con- confrontation and being in the par- parliament. It's another form of confrontation, and if you have all these um, components, my idea, in my opinion, and you can create a certain momentum sometimes, and you can create a certain awareness, and um, you, when you engage with people and you let people know what is happening there, the problem sometimes is that we don't even know what they are voting on, what they are doing, the laws they are passing. And people are not only left behind, they, they don't even know. So that's the importance. And to me, um, what MP Bola did, the presence, was you know, her presence was, was good. She was one person, but she she, she may, you know, okay, she, she gave more than 61 uh, law, you know, she, she was there at least telling what's, saying what's happening, and it was good. In my opinion. So imagine maybe uh, other, imagine other MPs mm. you know, doing, uh, imagine from, from another, from another background, even, you know, so, you know, to me, you know, it's, it's about confrontation. And the more oh, municipalities come in, it's super important. So No, but I appreciate you. I mean, you're, you're emphasizing that you're going to be a block of accountability and that's really the goal at hand, as opposed to something more radical, which is trying to, you know, fundamentally upend our disorder. Because I think that would be, in a way, promising way too much. And I, I like that you're even able to see what that kind of inspection looks like from within Parliament. And you're right. Having one is better than having zero. Paula was one from 2018. Um, yeah, from the ones who were running. And imagine now, uh, I don't know, if it's only five, you know, you are multiplying it by five. So it's nothing, you know, it's not nothing as well. It's not enough, maybe, but it's not nothing. Yeah, no, I mean, in any sh- in any capacity, having a block that is demanding basic reforms now in Parliament, despite all the big problems that are beyond Lebanon's control, and for me, and we, we don't need to include this in the episode, but I, I don't think of Hezbollah as a Lebanese problem only. I think it is something that's far beyond anyone's control in this country. Even if every billboard on this country says that they have the answer for it, none of them do. None of them do. But in that limited space, having good people pushing for bad people or people that have not felt the need to reform within those constraints, making sure you can get some things done is in itself, I think, a noble goal. So I respect your journey. Um, I'll just wrap it up with one thing. I, I'm very curious in why in late April, early May, uh, it seems like the, the journey that we set off on October 17, that unifying euphoric movement, um, has become almost like... Impressive. Yeah. And I, I don't... I mean, I have my reasons for thinking about it. I could maybe put extra emphasis on one group because I still think that group is more important than most people admit. But I'd like to hear your reasons because I can imagine you on the street and I saw you. I saw you, whether you're on TV or on the street, I saw you. 
the commitment in your eyes or the passion was not for a small, limited uh, movement in parliament. I think what you wanted exactly. was, was a dream. Exactly. And it's not there. One year ago, change to me was like, I know, at a big deal. So if I could ask, is it the Port Blast in your mind? Or is it something that's beyond the Port Blast? Is it the economic disaster? Is it just the pain that it's the pain in itself being in Lebanon? Why do you think it's become such a diminished um aspiration it's diminished but it's not impossible and it's not you know maybe you no know, to me maybe now it's a reality check but mm. <laughs> but i i still want to think that the the change we were aspiring for was possible um i think there were many factors maybe it's a burden as you were saying yeah no i remember the covid when you no know, um you know, there was this diminution during the uprising. I remember the economic, you know, remember the economic crisis, the Beirut blast, the Beirut blast. You know, it's a, yeah, it's a trauma. It's a trauma and it's a common trauma. Uh, to me, um, a few months ago, I had this vision of inclusiveness. Maybe it was childish, huh? <laughs> no, and I don't know. Huh? Um, maybe uh, me running and uh, no, was to me and uh, no. Hey, I want uh, uh, Hague to include everyone or mm. everyone. And uh, no, yes, and uh, no, uh, I wanted to Hague and uh, be and uh, no. I've never thought and uh, no things would escalate that way because you uh, know to me I always wanted this uh, opportunity, but and no, and no a certain and uh, no accord. Um, but I think things are more compl- complicated than that. Um, and I think, to me, one of the problems or structural problems is that um, before the elections, um, we were, or opposition groups had a lot, of, a lot on their plates um, between um, yeah, and, um, um, many many elections and uh, the Beirut blast, etc., etc., etc. There wasn't like big fronts mm. or big um, coalitions or big uh, parties that were there. Um, there wasn't um, long before in you know, a criteria set, etc., priorities, priorities, etc. You know, I know there were you know, many people, you know, there were many initiatives, etc., but that didn't work. Um, to me, you know, we need time maybe to know how to work in group. <laughs> and that's one thing, I guess. And on another hand, looking to the law, Mm. Um, that we have, we can say, no, it's okay if you have uh, a diversity of lists. To me, it's fine as long as uh, there is a huge difference between, you know, a huge difference in, 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 in the program and mm. the mm. ideology, etc. And, and it can, and it can be not harmful. And uh, you can reach to different crowds via the two lists, and it's fine, or the, or the diversity of the lists, and it's fine, but and that's democratic. But working in groups and then forming lists, and you're you're seeing something that uh, did not emerge the way perhaps yes. you thought it would. Yes. Would you put more burden on just having short period of time to do this right, or do you think this is really just 
a built-in Lebanese gravity problem that the groups we think, think of are not the groups most people. The dynamics think. of groups, I know. Yeah, it's about the dynamics of groups, etc. And that's why I told you, you know, maybe we need more time to know how to work mm. together. Sometimes, and that's my, um, I know that's what I saw, and that that was part of my disappointment. Um, when we are in it, when we are in the battle. Sometimes we tend to forget or not see the bigger picture. Yeah. So I think That's the challenge, well the challenge, is to be able, despite everything, to always see the bigger picture, yeah. look to the bigger picture. Um, so yeah. I really appreciate you saying this at the end because I think too many of us uh, get stuck yeah. in things that become petty, and we look back and we realize that these were petty issues. And then there are some bigger problems that maybe no list or no coalition or no political party, new or old, has answers to, but they still try anyway. What I like the most, and this is me being extra generous here, is an independent mind, regardless of age, being very, very eloquent, and someone like me pushing very hard on a Friday night after your speech at the list launch event, and before a Zoom call with the diaspora, <laughs> you're very sweet with your time. You're generous with your time. Thank you. Very and much. had I uh, been, I think, had I not been convinced that the same thing that will crash, or let me say it differently, the same wall that civil society will hit, regardless of what you think about March 14, I think the wall is set up in a way to prevent any movement for change. And I really think unless that issue is addressed head on, the good people will keep crashing into that wall. I think it's safe to say there are great people on October 17. And there are also not so great people on October 17. I think March 14 was the same. And I don't think it'd be fair to look at October 17 right now and how it was two and a half years ago. I think they're not the same thing, but they devolve over time. I think it's... No, that's why we talk about accumulation. I think October 17 learned a lot from 2015 movement and learned a lot from 2005. Um, it still had its uh, okay, problems and we are seeing them. But I think, you know, the experience, the political experience, mm. it's important to be able to build on and avoid these things. I don't, I don't see October 17 as... And no failure, or it didn't do anything. Mm, it mm. did a lot. It did a lot, um, and the impact. And we are seeing the impact. And I've decided to stay in this country um, to try to do something for 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 our people. To try uh, to have an opportunity and a possibility to stay here and to live here uh, with better conditions and to have a better a better life to our people. It's a generational shift. This younger generation is, I think, the first step of change. And you said it before, whether or not it's one seat, like 2018 with someone like Paula Yaobian, whether it's only a handful this round, it's obvious that this is not about one election, that this is going to take a long time. It's an accumulation, yeah. and it's about not giving up. And I can um, imagine 2026 will also be dynamic. 2030 will be contested. 
and I can imagine someone like you sticking around and doing this. Uh, whether you're pursuing traditional power through parliament or civil society, pressure mm-hmm. from, the, from outside, uh, I like that your journey starts uh, in school and it progressed into university. And here you are at the age of 25, the youngest candidate running for parliament, speaking to hundreds, if not thousands of people in one evening in Sinerfil, Bliss Street, and over Zoom with diaspora voters. I think uh, it takes a lot of uh, patience and passion to do what you're doing. So that's my way of saying thank you for talking to me. Thank you, Rooney. Thank you for the time, for the space, for the lovely conversation. It's my pleasure. The official thank handshake. You. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for listening and watching. And a friendly reminder to support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. <laughs> Same goes for you. <laughs> uh, we did it. Yeah, we did it.